0: Today we continue with our introductory look into the book of 1 Peter. And this book is really quite amazing, considering where we find ourselves today with the coronavirus. Join us and be encouraged. We're indeed in troubled times. So what is our response as believers in Christ? How do we triumph in troubled times? Well, I'm glad you asked. Peter has some amazing answers for us here in 1 Peter. Join us there as our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, takes us to our series called Triumphing in Troubled Times. Elect Exiles is the title of our study. Again, 1 Peter. We're in chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. Here's Pastor Phil now with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. History says
1: that Nero, we often hear the story he played the violin while Rome burned. It's believed in history that Nero started the fires. Because Nero wanted to remodel the city of Rome. He wanted vast building programs. He couldn't get the synod to release the money. So he set out a siege of burning the place down. And will be forced to rebuild. Well, uh, during that time, the word got out to the population. And great heat and and, uh, animosity towards Nero was growing. And for years, the heat wasn't on the church. Here the church starts around 33 A.D. And here we're talking about 63. Let's say 63 A.D. So we've got the church going for 30 years. We've got Stephen killed. But by who? The Jews in Jerusalem. That the persecution primarily saw of Tarsus was going as a member of the Sanhedrin to kill believers. Not Rome. And Paul pulls off his Roman citizenship to get, get a fair trial. So Rome has not come down totally on the church. But eventually they found out Christians weren't a part of the Jewish group. And the Jews were smart. They were political. They had made alliances. They knew how to survive their captors. They knew how to survive Rome. But pretty soon Christianity was moved over here by the Roman authorities. They're not a part of the Jewish faith. They are like a cult. Like a sect. And so now we're going after them. We're not persecuting the Jewish people anymore. Of course, Titus went crazy in 70 AD. Great devastation to the city. But he's going after these Jews. I said, what did Nero do? He said, the Christians burned the city down. So he had a basis for killing them and pursuing them. But he tells these people, this is who you are. You've got an inheritance coming. And then, I think what's so beautiful, he says, you're the people that God is going to guard by his power until you get to the city. The city's being kept, and God said, I promise to keep you in the meantime. And the word is guarded. I'm going to guard you. That's why this song, he will Hold me fast means so much to me. If you've never been a Christian and thought you could lose your salvation at the same time, uh, God, God's blessed you. I grew up believing I could lose it. I grew up saying, you're not necessarily saved because you got saved. <laughs> Think of that. So when can I say I'm saved? You're never saved till you get there. Have you ever heard that? You're only saved when you make it. So don't get all whipped up down here thinking you're going to make it. Because there might be a sin out there you're going to do. Has anyone grown up that way? Did you grow up that way? Okay. You're saved the night you're at the altar. And you don't want to just say, kill me. Then I know I got heaven made. No, no, no. No, no, he said. Whom I save, I promise to keep. I promise to guard. They, You may stumble. You may sin like Peter did. You may do a lot of flubbing up before you get in the city. But I promise I can keep what I save. And it's an insult to me to tell a believer... You may not make it even though you put faith in Christ. What kind of gospel is that? (laughs) If I never save myself, can I lose myself? I was lost to start with. I needed no divine help. The issue is can I land safe? You can only land safe if your hope is in Jesus. He will guard you. He will get you into the city. You not only have an inheritance, I've got the promise that I'm under a divine escort from earth to glory. You ought to shout if you knew how. That is worth being happy about. God deliver us from being a frozen church that the only time we shout is when the warriors are playing. You didn't shout loud enough last night. I'll tell you that. <laughs> now, what they're going through. He writes to them. Even though you are my children, you're going through some rough times. In this, you rejoice. Though now, for a little while, if necessary, ooh. If ne- what do you what do you mean? Do any of you think trials are necessary for you? I'll let you pray about it. God said, I've determined trials you need. Because you won't, you, you're not going to be what I want until I test you and try you. I hate the subject because I'm a coward. But in this you rejoice. Though now, for a little while, if necessary, divine necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Um, You're rejoicing despite the short while trials. Uh, Did you know that your trials are going to be like a dot on a line? Let's say this line represents eternity past. Eternity, future, and what your life, as well as your problems, just a dot on the line. Or a grain of sand compared to the Mojave Desert. Someday, when it's all over, it's going to be a blip in your mind. Have you ever gone through tough times and just give you a year or two of maybe health, uh... Or you've gone through rough economic times and you get over. It, all you say, "Oh man, that was so long ago." When you're in it, it's not long; it seems forever. When your body's hurting, when finances are not good, trouble seems to last forever when you're in it. But Peter says, "Just a little while." Your momentary light afflictions, Paul called them. A moment. A moment. That you, in your memory bank. Boom. You won't even, he said in Isaiah, when you get into the new heavens and the new earth. The remembrance of former things will be blotted out. It won't even come up in eternity. And right now. You think it's the greatest trial that God ever invented just for you. Someday you'll say, did I go through that? Yeah, you will. In this you rejoice. But right now we're grieving. And the word grieving there, I'm a great commentator, Westcott Scott and Hort, he said, This grieving is not just the grieving for pain, because grieving is mental. The pain is one thing. You're going through the mental pain, whatever goes on in our mind when we're suffering, when we're misunderstood, when we're falsely accused, we're being persecuted, when we're all these grievous trials, whatever it's doing, you're worried. I can't sleep. I'm troubled. i 'm anxious i 'm fearful, all that composes uh, the mental state of our suffering he, he said uh, though you 're grieving for a little moment, you 'll be like the woman that has the baby, and oh, how women love to talk about the baby being born you know that 's the the woman talk. I remember the day I, it took. I had that baby in six hours, and, and i 'm saying, just go in there and have it <laughs> But I'm not invited to the conversation. Not with my wife and the girl. Oh, tell me all about it. Where were you? The first one, I had to go to another hospital bed because I felt so sick. <laughs> Left her by herself and the doctor delivered. Where were you? Well, I was feeling sick to my stomach. Oh, you don't know what I was going through. See? Grievous. It can boom. But he said it will yield something in you. God uses trials to prove your faith, whether it's genuine or not. Notice what he says. That your trial, so that it will be tested, the genuineness of your faith. Trials never destroy true faith. In the parables of the four soils, Jesus said, Some soil, it sprouts up quick. Then the sun comes out, trials, and it wilts because it had no roots. It was not authentic faith. I, I have some people say, well, I can't trust God. I, I don't believe in God. Why? Well, uh, I can't believe in a God that allows babies to die. Well, what if there was no God? Babies would still die. Who would you blame then? Well, I just can't believe in a God that allowed uh, my mother to be killed by a drunk driver. Uh, uh, people, I, I, I'm angry at God. One of our children died or this happened. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't serve this God. If he doesn't do what I think God ought to do, I can't serve him. And the Jewish problem, if they were the Holocaust survivors, we don't know the depth of agony our Jewish friends have gone through. How and where was God at Auschwitz? Where was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when the ovens are cooking my loved ones? You're telling me that this is the God of Abraham? It's no small thing. But if you're Job... And the wife says curse God and die. After they heard the ten children had just died. He said this seems like a good time to worship. And he gets on his knees and said. Naked I came from my mother's womb. And naked shall I return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Job worshiped God. Three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace. They were in there praising God. And all of a sudden, a fourth man showed up. In the furnace. Not, I'll be with you once you get out. This one we call Jesus gets in the furnace with his people. Heard a beautiful line this morning when he told Noah to build the ark. All the detail. It's got to be this tall, this wide, this, this, this. You know the two things missing on the ark. A rudder and a compass. Can you imagine Noah going on? Hey, how do we steer this thing? I'll get you there. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Don't I steer? No, no, no. You get in, I will steer it. I can get you there. In your trials, while well, the whole antediluvian world is drowning. I will guard you and get you on the other side. Without a compass, without a rudder. You won't get any credit for where you land. It will be the captain. He tests our faith to see that it will come forth as pure gold. There's three things he said we ought to be doing in the meantime. While we're being tested... While we're reveling in our new status with God. Three things he says believers ought to be doing. Though you've not seen him, you love him. And it's a present tense. We ought to be continually loving Christ. Continually loving Christ. Some scholars believe that love and trust are interchangeable. Most likely they are. Are you loving Christ? The people that know Christ love him. Even though they fail as Peter did. Here's the man that he asked, do you love me? Now he's writing an epistle and he's saying, love him. Love him. And uh, he said that's the characteristic. He said he gives a crown of life to those who love him. There's a crown of righteousness to those who love his appearing. Over and over, all things were together for those who love him. We are Christ lovers. We are Jesus Christ lovers. And that is the thing we want. We fight not to leave our first love and to keep the first love. We fight to keep the boil. We fight to keep the enthusiasm. We fight for it not to be a has-been, just a dead Orthodox church. We're dead right in our church. We're both. We're right and we're dead. We're trying our best to have an enthusiastic love for Christ until we see him. But sometimes my love gets cold. But he will hold me fast. Has God ever loved you when your heart was cold toward him? You didn't feel like praying? You didn't feel like devotions? You didn't feel like going to church? Were you still saved? He will hold you fast. Second thing he says you ought to be doing is trusting him. Though you haven't seen him, you trust him. You believe him. His promises are true. He will not forsake you. Trust in Christ. Trust and obey. There's no other way. Uh, Keep trusting him in these grievous trials. Don't exchange God when you're in the midst of the trial. Don't try to exchange God. It's amazing when you get under pressure, when you get tired, or you're going through it, it's easy to make uh, irrational decisions. Decisions of non-trust. Decision that's maybe not loving. Just uh, don't do anything radical when you're tired, discouraged, or persecuted. Keep trusting. Keep loving. Virginia, years ago, told me about the missionary couple whose child died on the mission field, which many, that was the history of missions, always assume when you left Scotland or England in the 1700s up when you went, you always assume I'll bury at least one child and most likely a wife. It's why so many parents fought to give up their daughters to missions. They died, they died, they died. Adam Judson, J. Hudson Taylor, on and on and on. You bury a wife and you bury a few children. And this couple on the mission field, the child died. And when they wrote back to missions headquarters, they said, God has trusted us with a great trial. How much can God put on us? Someone said he controls the thermostat of the heat in the furnace. And he has to watch the watch that times. How long it takes to purify your faith. How much do you need. To yield to him. And they say the old ancient goldsmiths. Used to boil that. Uh, and heat the gold. And since they didn't have many mirrors. Their test was the dross has been consumed. When I could see my face in the heated gold. And when God can see the face of Jesus in you, he might get you out of the trial. He wants to prove your faith is genuine. And in the meantime, he wants you to love him. He wants you to be trusting him. And then he says something uh, so beautiful. Though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith. The salvation of your souls. A supernatural joy that is based upon my identity in Christ. I'm going through tough times. Perilous times. Bad health. Bad circumstances. And, uh, but I have a joy that is Supernatural. There is nothing as refreshing as someone boiling over with joy. I don't know if there's any here today. This is about as exciting as the mortuary, the way you look. I mean, that, this crowd is calmed down. And you black folks, it's your fault. You're supposed to add some enthusiasm to our meetings. Willie's the only one we get hear. We pay him to shout out and say, stay on the wall. Stay on the wall. Stay on the wall. Carol and I, uh, one, one thing about living with someone that you grew up being Christian together, you learn a lot of the same song. So every once in a while we'll bust out, uh, we're brushing our teeth I usually try to quit brushing my teeth when I bust out. But, you know, we're at the mirror and bust out on songs we grew up with as kids. And one I've been singing a lot lately just seemed like, you know, one of those songs will come up. And I was just singing to her, oh, say, but I'm glad, I'm glad. Oh, say, but I'm glad, I'm glad. Jesus has come and my cup's overrun. Oh... Say but I'm glad. How many of you old enough to know that song? My lands, why you're so quiet today and just staring at me? Get over it. Oh say but I'm glad. God's promises are true. I've trusted and I've tested and I've tried them. God's promise is true. I like to say this. If your identity And your background has degraded you and made you feel worthless. Why don't you get into a new family? Why don't you take Christ as your Savior? And your identity is going to immediately change. You're going to find out you've been selected by the Father. You've been set apart by the Spirit. You've been sprinkled by the blood. You've been born again out of God's mercy. You've been uh, given a brand new inheritance. You're not waiting around hoping to get you in the will. I'm in the will. I will get the inheritance. I will get it. And I will arrive at that city. Let me say that's not arrogance. That is a statement based on the saving work of Christ. You will see me there by the grace of the living God, the mercies of God. We ought to be happy about it. We ought to sing about it. On our blackest night, our darkest trial, I will be there anyway. I will be there. And some of you have been saved too long to be this quiet and not get over it. You need to have joy bells ringing in your heart. I'm going to a city whose builder and maker is the living God. The city Abraham left Ur said I'm going. I've seen a city the city that Moses said keep Egypt keep your pyramids I'm going to a city that God has shown me in the heavens. What a great God. If you want to change your identity, come to Christ. If you want to have joy inexpressible and full of glory, it makes you shout. It makes your eyes run in tears. It makes you act more ways that we won't even want to claim we know you. But that's all right. You know, it's something that is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And God, deliver us. Deliver us. Yes. It's worth being happy. We're going to heaven by the grace of God, by the mercies of God.
0: And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Questions, comments about the program, as always, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us by visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by giving us a call, 855-833-9864. If you've got a question for Pastor Phil, you can use your smartphone. The Voice Memo app on that smartphone is a great way to reach out to us with your questions, praise reports, and comments. Simply record your question, who you are, where you're calling from, and then email it to us, tftquestions at valleybible.org. Again, that's tftquestions at valleybible.org. And again, as always, you'll find more information about Truth For Today at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. Now, Truth For Today is a listener-supported ministry. We have friends and family members who have come alongside to financially support the ministry to ensure that it continues on this radio station. Would you be a part of that family, that friendship? We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us again. You can securely donate at truthfortodayradio.org or by calling 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.